0: Three times a year, if they were able to get to either wherever the tabernacle was as they were traveling or Jerusalem, when the tabernacle and the temple ended up there, they would get together three times a year, which would give them a sense of cultural identity with one another. And I think that this is really important. I think in an individualistic world, one of the problems we have is we never really think about everybody else. We're just so wrapped up in our own stuff, in our own little community stuff. So we wanna think
1: about us being part of something bigger. We're part of something so much bigger than we can comprehend. While we may think our individual lives, problems, and successes are huge, they pale in comparison to what's going on in the world, let alone in the kingdom of God. However, we do have a part to play in God's kingdom advancing. We can have an impact on other people in this world. Pastor Daniel's message today reminds us of this. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15 with part one of his message, Three Feasts.
0: All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16, Deuteronomy chapter 16, as we're continuing this ever so leisurely journey through the Bible together. Deuteronomy chapter 16, if you're new to the Bible, don't worry about it, we want to be able to get you there. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in your Bible, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the last book in what is commonly called the Torah or the law, that's the Hebrew word, or the Pentateuch, that's the Greek word, which literally means five books. It's Moses' second telling of the law. Remember that Moses, he's not allowed to go into the promised land because of his misrepresentation of the heart of God. When he struck that rock and got angry with the people for their, um, for their lack of faith, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. And so they're standing on the edge of the promised land. It's time for them to go on in. And Moses knows that before they can go in, he's going to go home to be with the Lord. So he wants to download to this younger generation, this is the heart of God. These are the laws that God has given. These are the things that you need to know. And so we're calling this second series in the book of Deuteronomy, we're calling it blueprints because these are blueprints for life. See, all of these laws have purposes and and reasons for it, things that we need to learn from it. Now, oftentimes people will say to me, they say, so Fusco, so I don't understand, you know, why are you studying the law when Jesus came to fulfill the law? We're not under the law anymore. And I always remind people, Jesus did come to fulfill the law, so we're not under the law, but the law is still God's standard for righteousness. Like the reason Jesus came and died is because none of us fulfill the law, left up to our own devices, Jesus is the only one who can say, I always do those things which please my Father. And because of that, Jesus is the acceptable sacrifice for the sins of humanity. So there's so much for us to learn here as we're studying it through. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 16, I'm only going to take the, um, the first 17 verses. I'm going to leave off the end of the chapter because, as I've often told you, the chapter breaks were not inspired by the Holy Spirit They were put in later so that we can find things. And really, chapter 16, verses 1 to 17, it teaches us about the three pilgrim feasts. Now, these three feasts, we've already seen them in Exodus chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23, and Numbers chapter 28 and 29. So in Exodus, Leviticus, and in Numbers, we've seen these three pilgrim feasts. But because Moses is telling everybody again, he's telling it to them again. Now, why do they call them the pilgrim feasts? Because these three feasts, Passover and Unleavened Bread, which is actually one, but they go together, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles, all the able-bodied males were supposed to be going to wherever the tabernacle was. And when the temple was built, they were supposed to go there three times a year. So it was almost like everyone was supposed to gather together wherever God was meeting with the people, either the tabernacle or the temple, three times a year. Now, why do you think God would want in this entire country that three times a year they all get together. Why do you think God might want to do that? Because God wants them to realize that they're part of something bigger than just themselves. It's a reminder to them that you are part of something bigger than even your own community. Right? And so three times a year, if they were able to get to either wherever the tabernacle was as they were traveling or Jerusalem, when the tabernacle and the temple ended up there, they would get together three times a year, which would give them a sense of cultural identity with one another. And I think that this is really important. I think in an individualistic world, one of the problems we have is we never really think about everybody else. We're just so wrapped up in our own stuff, in our own little community stuff. So we want to think about us being part of something bigger. And not only that, it's also meant to commemorate their history. Like, you know, growing up in New Jersey, they do not do Fourth of July like the way we do it here in Southwest Washington. I mean, it's just amazing, you know. But why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Because we want to remember when we won our independence from England. And we do that every year. And it's a reminder of who we are and where we've come from. And so these three pilgrim feasts function to remind the people of God where they've been and what God has done. I think that's also an important application. What are you doing to commemorate the things that God has done in your life? Like, see, what happens is is if we don't find ways to commemorate God's great workings in our lives, then we have a tendency that in the push and shove of life, we have a tendency to forget who the Lord is and what he's done. And I want to encourage you to find those ways to remember the things that God has done. Like, when people get married, they have their anniversary, right? So you can remember, this is what God has done. God brought us together. We have birthdays. Why? To commemorate, hey, we're going to celebrate the day that God brought you into the world, right? And so, but in the work of the Lord and what God is doing in your life, find ways to commemorate what God has done. Find ways to be able to say, I'm going to celebrate this or that. You know, in my Bible that I read all the time, my own personal Bible, I have a picture of my baptism. It's in the back of my Bible. Every single time I open my Bible, I look at my baptism picture. So I want to remember when I followed Jesus into the waters of baptism. I, like when I look at that picture, I can still smell the day that I was there. What God was, I remember walking out of church, I wasn't planning on getting baptized. They just like, I, a church, like hey, we're having a baptism in the river and I just felt like the Lord was like, you're supposed to just go into the baptism. I didn't tell anybody, I just like, I was like there, I didn't know anybody, like I was brand new at this church and I was just like, just got baptized and someone took a picture of it, And it was beautiful because the person who gave me the picture, this was long before like cell phone cameras and stuff, not long before. But I remember the pastor's wife had a picture of it. And literally she gave, she's like, Hey, I've been holding this for you. You know, I just think you're supposed to have this, you know? And it's, I just remember, wow. And we want to be able to celebrate those pivotal moments in our lives as we're journeying with the Lord. So that's all this is involved in this. So let's just jump right on in. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 16, picking up in verse 1. It says this. Observe the month of Abib, or some of your translators have Aviv, and keep the Passover of the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of the land of Egypt by night. Therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd, in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it, that is, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt, all the days of your life. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the meat which you sacrificed the first day at twilight "'Remain overnight until morning. "'You may not sacrifice the Passover within your gates, "'which the Lord your God gives you, "'but at the place where the Lord your God chooses "'to make his name abide. "'There you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, "'at the going down of the sun, "'at the time you came out of Egypt. "'And you shall roast and eat "'in the place which the Lord your God chooses. "'And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days,' You shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day, there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. Now, there's a lot in here. Now, you realize that they call it the Passover festival or celebration because really it's two different celebrations together. First is the Feast of Passover, and then is the days that follow, which is called unleavened bread. Here we have Moses giving them to them at one time because it's, to Passover, and then the next week is unleavened bread. Now, it says in the month of Abib, which it's beautiful here because if the month of Abib is the, the Jewish reckoning, but later on, once the Jewish people go to Babylon, they take on the Babylonian way of doing the calendar, which would be the month of Nisan. So if you read your Bible and if you're one of those critical readers... Here you have it called the month of Abib. Later you have it called the month of Nisan. And the reason is, is because once they went to Babylon in that exile, they ended up acquiring the Babylonian calendaring system. So for us, the month of Abib or Nisan would be about March, April, about springtime. So it's a spring feast here. And this is all meant to remind them of the Passover, right? You sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. So really what we have here is we have this sacrificial lamb that is chosen. And you can read about all of this. We saw this, of course, in Exodus chapter 12 in, in our Passover series. And so in Exodus chapter 12, explains all this, that there is a sacrificial animal that's chosen, right? And that is offered for to avert the death of the angel of death. Right? Now, what's important about this is notice, this sacrifice can't happen anywhere. This sacrifice has to happen in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. Now, this is important. Because there's certain things that God gives us liberty in, and there's certain things that God says, I have a prescribed place that I want to do this. And so the Passover lamb needs to be offered where the Lord has placed his name, where the altar of the Lord is. And I think that's super important. Because you know already, who is the Passover lamb? Jesus is. Right away they called him the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was slaughtered on the day that they would take and kill the Passover lamb. Everything. If you read Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel literally takes... All that was going on with Jesus. And he places it all within the context of Passover. Jesus' triumphal entry, which was the day the Passover lamb would be chosen. And then there'd be all these days where the lamb would be checked out to make sure that it was indeed without sin. And you read Matthew's gospel. You find that after the triumphal entry, all these people keep coming to Jesus, trying to trap him in his words. And every time they walk away, they could find no, nothing wrong in him. They could find nothing wrong in him. Because... They're proving out that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that is the fulfillment of this Passover feast. So Jesus wasn't crucified anywhere. Of course he had to be in Jerusalem. And that's why all through the Gospels, right, something would happen and Jesus' mom would say, "Well, my time has not yet come. And then all of a sudden his time was come and he went to Jerusalem. He had to be there for the Passover to fulfill all of these prophecies. So Notice in verse three, we have the prohibition against eating leavened bread. So if you recall in the Passover account, the children of Israel, they had to make their bread quickly. So there wasn't any time to put the leaven or the yeast in the bread so that the bread would rise. And so in one of the ways to commemorate all of this is they're not allowed to eat bread that has taken time. to It has to be unleavened bread. We call that today matzah, right now. Not only that, we also find that for seven days they should eat no unleavened bread. So leaven was something that was not allowed to be a part of the celebration. And even to this day, people who are observant in Judaism, before the Passover, they will literally go throughout their entire house and clear out anything that has yeast in it. All their bread will get thrown out. they find any baker's yeast or anything, all of it gets cleaned out. They might say, so what does all this mean? Why is this important? Because in the Bible... Leaven or yeast is almost always used as a picture of sin Why it's actually the perfect picture of sin because if you think about how yeast works And i've said this before but it's amazing how god can use everything in your life to prepare you for something When I was embarking on a music career Anybody wants to be a musician actually has to have a real job to be able to support your music career at least for a season And I ended up working as a baker in a bakery and I got like a crash course in sourdough breads and all these different types of breads. But one of the things I remember, we used to make it out of a sourdough starter. And I was asking, well, so how does yeast work? And this was, I was like a baby Christian, didn't even thinking about this stuff. So no, no, what yeast does is it feeds upon the gluten in the flour. And as it feeds upon the gluten in the flour, it starts to rise up. So it eats, it corrupts the flour and it makes it rise. It puffs it up. You think about that, it's like, that's exactly what sin does. Sin corrupts us by puffing us up. Because at the core of every sin is pride. Because what is pride? Pride is me instead of God. Pride is a heart that says, it's more important what I want than what God wants. And every single sin that a person could commit, every single ill that faces our society, is rooted in somebody saying, I am more important than God. And because I'm a more important God, I'm more important than that person, and what I want is more important than that person, and it doesn't matter what the Bible says, because I want to do what I want to do. So what you have is leaven or yeast. It's the perfect picture, because it corrupts from the inside by puffing up. And so this whole Passover celebration is meant to be a leavenless affair, a sinless affair. Why? Because, of course, Jesus, the Passover lamb, he said in John's gospel, I am the bread of life and jesus was able to be the sacrifice why because he was without sin so thousands of years ago while the children of israel are leaving egypt god already wants to place all these pictures within the celebration so that the people would know that when jesus comes and he says all this stuff they'd be like oh yeah i know i've heard about this i know about this So no leaven is allowed there at all. And again, this is the bread of affliction, it says in the middle of verse 3. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. See, all of this, it's amazing. The Bible's so awesome. Like, Egypt in the Bible is a picture of what? It's a picture of the world. It's a picture of the place where you're enslaved, right? And unleavened bread is called the bread of affliction, Why? Because they had to leave where they were enslaved quickly. They didn't have any time to do it. What a perfect picture because Jesus has a sinless, sinless, spotless lamb of God, right? The bread of life without sin. The cross was his time of affliction so that we could be delivered quickly. And listen, this is important because I realize that for each one of us, temptations abound, But you want to be delivered from what enslaves you quickly. You don't want to dilly-dally around that. Like For the children of Israel, they had been under hard bondage for a long time, and God set them free. And they didn't like, well, maybe I should just kind of hang out for a little bit. You know, it's like, it's kind of fun. I kind of like being a slave to the Pharaoh. No, they got themselves out of there quickly. And I think for us, when Jesus sets us free and we are free indeed, we need to go in haste. We don't want to mess around. We don't want to think to ourselves, man, let's not rush out of here. No, you need to run out of there. Because we need to move quickly away from the things that have enslaved us. Now, you keep going, you know, and by the time you get to verse five, you may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name known, and you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun at the time you came out of Egypt. So this sacrifice had to happen at the end of the daylight. Now, anybody read the New Testament, the Gospels? You hear about this before? Do you remember when Jesus and the two thieves were on the cross with him? And they came and said, listen, we should break those guys' legs because we don't want them to be up on the cross overnight. Now think about this. And, and it's kind of, crucifixion was one of the most Horrific forms of capital punishment It was slow And really when somebody After they had been uh, scourged They were beaten up But if they were still alive And they were nailed on the cross The way someone died According to medical records Is they didn't die Of the wounds that they received They actually died of suffocation because the body being beaten and hanging on the cross, the, the body starts to cave in on itself. The rib cage presses down. And what would happen is, is because people's feet were nailed onto the cross, in order to get air in their lungs, they're able to push off their feet to be able to get air into their diaphragm and into their lungs, which kept them alive. So if they wanted to hasten or quicken someone's death by crucifixion, they would break their legs so you can no longer press to get air into your lungs and so that you would suffocate quicker. Now it's horrific to tell, but this is why in the new Testament, because it was the Passover feast, they didn't want these guys hanging on the cross. So they wanted them to die quickly. So they were able to get them off the cross so the people can go and be able to celebrate and not have to be looking at these killed people. And so like, no, we need to break their legs, but they didn't break Jesus's legs because he already given up his spirit. Also to fulfill a prophecy that not one of his bones were broke yet. So did this all happen at the end of the day, towards the last daylight? I mean, it's amazing. All of this is right here. Notice it says in verse 7, you shall roast and eat it. And you might say, so what's the big deal about that? Well, the idea of roasting in that culture was it was cooked out in the open. It wasn't hidden away. Why is that important? Of course, Jesus, when he died on the cross, it was a public spectacle. It wasn't hidden away in some back room. Jesus was put to a public spectacle. So even this idea that the lamb had to be roasted, it had to be seen, it wasn't hidden away. All of this is important. And then in verse eight, it reminds us that six days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day, there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work in it. So then you get this unleavened bread, this whole week passed on. And we're reminded that you shall do no work in it in it. Why? Why? Because you're saved by faith, not by works. You are saved by faith, not by works. And this is important. And this is baked all the way in it. And if I were to, to speak to those of you here today who aren't Christians, listen, the predominant religion of people today is salvation by works. That's what, it's like, I am accepted by God because I either vote this way or I do these things or I don't do these things or I, you know, so the predominant religion of humanity is I get saved by the things that I do. And for a lot of people, I always say that it's really the reason I get saved is I'm not as bad as the most evil person I can think of. Like I get people say this all the time. They say, oh man, God will accept me. I'm like, I'm not like a mass murderer as if, you get in because you're not the most evil person anyone can think of. Like that God grades on a curve. So you have this evil dude, right? And he or she is so bad that it throws the curve so everyone else gets in except for that person, right? And people think that way. That, listen, I'm a good person. Like I try and help everybody out and I, you know, do all this stuff. And that's salvation by works. That's saying I can do enough good things that God would accept me. I know what the problem with that is. That belief is rooted in a lack of understanding on who God is. See, if you understand who God truly is, you would never say, I can do enough things to kind of, in the scales of life, I do better things than bad things. And so if you put all my stuff on, I have decent karma. I love it when I meet someone who says they believe in karma. I said, man, so how are you going to land after this one's over? like well i'm doing i'm doing all right i'm like well let's talk about that you start asking them questions about their life you ever lie well yeah everyone lies okay so you're a liar all right did you ever steal anything well no 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 well you know the bible says if you covet it's like you stole do you ever like kind of look at someone's car and just like i want that thing well yeah everyone does that well you're a thief then you know did you ever say i hate you anything or anybody? Well, yeah, you know, I hate the person running for office or whatever. Say, like, well, the Bible says if you hate someone, then you've murdered them in your heart. So I'm like, I asked you three questions, you're a lying, stealing murderer. Jesus is real.
1: Today's message with Pastor Daniel reminded us about the feast of Passover. Time when the Israelites gathered together to remember the provision and love of their rescuer and creator. This and each of the other feasts Israel observed stand as reminders to us today. We need to celebrate and praise our heavenly Father for all that He's done for us, bringing us out of the slavery of sin and giving us hope and a new life.
0: Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family family of faith. In Vancouver, services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m. Or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us. And if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, CrossroadsLive.tv. I look
1: forward to seeing you soon. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues to discuss the three feasts Israel needed to gather together for the Feast of First Fruits is a great reminder that we need to give God the credit for what He's done. He is the one who has saved us from sin and given us blessings beyond belief. God's abundant love for us deserves to be recognized and He rightfully deserves our worship for it. We wish we had more time today but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series Blueprints. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.